Hey, and welcome to episode 21, Property Development Finance and What Can You Afford with the amazing Bob Anderson. In this week's episode, we're going to discuss finance, uh, just some stuff, maybe even some acronyms that you don't even understand, and what's going on right now with APRA, uh, what's happening, and maybe what you need to do to understand finance so you can get into property development. So let's get stuck into it. Hey, and welcome to episode 21, Understanding Property Development Finance with the amazing Bob Anderson. Before we jump into this week's episode, just want to congratulate Leanne North. She she won a free coaching session with me, found it most useful. And I thought, Leanne, after our conversation, I will send you a copy of the... property, a copy of this book, uh, Property Millionaires Secrets, no, Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed, Uh, there's the picture of Bob on there as usual, and a lot of other people with the strategies they use for how they go on their property journey, and I think after our conversation you might find that quite useful, so I'll pop that in the post for you. So before we muck around, Bob, welcome. Ah, thanks very much, you're looking beautiful as ever. Ah, yeah, I do try. What have you done to your hair this week? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Oh, I washed it. Oh wow! Styled it, I mean, you know. Yeah. Put it in place. Yeah. Hey, what do you? What New about, nails. Oh, you got the nails done yesterday. Mm. Yeah, took a bit of a half day yesterday. Oh. Yeah. Work hard the first half and relax a bit the yeah. second half. Something along those lines. Hey, what about the new studio? I like it. Yeah, new setup. You can't tell, but it's a lot roomier. It's way roomier. Yeah, a mm. lot more. Yeah, yeah, a lot more. I think the light's better. Yeah. This is for those who watch us on YouTube. Some people just listen on Apple or Spotify. You can't tell if you're just watching. (laughs) If you're listening. Anyway, Bob, we decided to come up with this topic after the we had a masterclass on the weekend, so a four-hour sort of intro to property development to see if you might want to learn more about it. And as usual, finance does come up. And then you and I were talking on uh, on our morning walk this morning and thought that would be a great topic for a podcast. So. We get a lot of questions about finance. We do. And it's one of those things that people don't understand. It's a hard one to understand. Probably, do you think it would be the hardest thing to understand when it comes to... Well, there's a lot of moving parts and mm. there's all different types of finance as well, you know, different levels, different finances, you know. It, it, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting subject. Maybe I'm a weirdo, you know, but I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really interested in finance, mm. uh, you know, from pretty straightforward retail finance right through to the complex structured finance things that we do from time to time. Well, shall we start with the change, the latest change to finance? Do you want to describe it? Well, the thing is that we got regulators, you know, we got the the Council of Financial Regulators. Sounds like a secret society. Who's in it? I don't know. Who is in there? It's an international conspiracy. (laughs) How do you get on that? I don't know, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, maybe they're in... No, anyway. Donald Trump's bound to be in there somewhere. Oh, well, no. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you've got... Well, well, APRA is a member, you know, a member, member of the secret society. And I think and just before bank. we move on, just APRA, can you break the analogy down to people that don't... Not everyone understands oh, okay. the analogy. Well, Australian Prudential Regulation Authority, APRA, they're like, a bit like the boss of the banks in the respect that they dictate uh, a lot to the banks on how they're going to do business. That's sort of in a a simple context. And therefore, by doing that, they can, to some 
extent control the markets, control finance, uh, you know, what people can afford, who can afford it. Yeah, it's a, it's a regulation authority, okay? They regulate. I'm not a lover of the word regulation, as you know. No. Uh, I don't like regulating anything much, particularly my behaviour. But um, <laughs> Bob also doesn't like the word or. Would you like this or that? If you mm. give Bob or, he's like, well, I want both. <laughs> well, my question is, why can't you have both? Why are we limiting this or that or or? But anyway, that's another yeah, subject yeah. for another day. Yeah. That one we've gone off track already. It yeah, didn't take long. So, so these regulators. I mean, the Reserve Bank is one regulator. The APRA is another. They can, if they want to slow things down or steer things in a particular direction, they can, mm. and uh, they have the power to do that. At the moment, what we're seeing is what I call a little bit of a tap on the brake. Uh, we've seen in the past sometimes the regulators get a little bit exuberant and a little bit carried away, and instead of tapping the brake, they get impatient. Put so full weight on it. Well, sometimes when they tap the brake, which means they, they bring in some sort of regulation, not all things kick in immediately, mm. and they get impatient. So, um, you know, they might tap the brake a little bit, and something doesn't happen immediately because sometimes things take a while to work their way through a market. They tap the brake again, then they tap it again, which is three taps is equal to a slam. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> and basketball. It can, and when you slam the brakes on things like regulators, that can have a big effect, and mm. it can go way too much, you know, way further than they really so wanted the or expected. Just a tap. It's a little tap on the brake. So what that is, is they've increased the buffer how banks calculate your serviceability, what you can afford. So as we know, when when we're buying a property, investment, could be our own home, whatever, we need a deposit. But we also have to prove our serviceability. We have to prove that we can pay the interest every month out of our earnings or whatever it is. So, And uh, so the harder you make that, the less money people can afford mm. to borrow. So in this case, we've been working for a while on a buffer of 2.5% or, or a floor. So what, what that means is... If you're borrowing money at a particular interest rate, what the banks will do, they'll add on previously 2.5% to that interest rate and they'll work out through their little formulas that they use what you can afford to buy, how, borrow, how much you can afford to borrow. Now they've increased that from 25 to 3%. So that means they're working off a theoretical higher interest rate. When is it like a, and, you know, half a percent doesn't seem like much. Is it, is it that oh, much? Well, it is a bit. Um, partic- well, it, if you're wealthy, if you've got multiple income streams, it's, it's a sneeze, you're not even interested in mm. it. But some people that it might have been stretched a bit at the 2.5% buffer mm. might not make it over the line at the 3% buffer. So they're going to have to readjust their, you know, their expectations of how much they can borrow and maybe they've got to not do something or they've got to borrow lower or... Or well, they've got to somehow get the boss to give them a pay rise or whatever that, wherever they need, you know. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, look, it does have a, a bit of an effect. But these these regulators, that, like tapping brakes, like, I'm, as you know, I'm not big on regulation, but the point is, okay, they've done it and it has effect. Why did they do it? That's so, a good question, Bob. Why did they do it? Well, I think... Oh, one, because it's too hot. Is it to slow down the heat? Well, a bit of it's that. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but the markets were already slowing a bit. I mean, we had massive growth everywhere pretty much during the first six months of this year 2021 up till june and and some of the heat's been going out of that market so mm. it's naturally slowing what i mean by slowing down is the rate of growth has been slowing down so in a way that was happening organically because you can't have that 
no market can con- can contain the sort of growth we had in the first six months of this year. So I was naturally coming off the boil a bit in any event. But but APRA have said, oh, we're, we're concerned about interest rates going up and affecting these all these people, this ever-increasing number of people oh, who are yeah. taking on higher LVR loans. So I think the percentage is that at the moment about 22% of loans are, are greater than six times earnings. So it's a bit of a like a debt-to-income ratio. It's yeah. one, of the, one of the parameters that, that the regulators look at, and that's been increasing. So not quite one in four, a bit over one in five, I suppose, loans are greater than six times earnings. Crikey, that's got to be tough on the household, doesn't it? Yeah, what does well, that do for a household? Well, not necessarily because we've got ridiculously low interest rates. Oh, of course, money. So that's free. the other side <laughs> yeah. of the coin, you know. I mean, if interest rates were 5%, yeah, sure, but they're not. Yeah. And it's because they're low that people are prepared to borrow more and have borrowed more. And banks have allowed it, but they're slowing that down. Well, banks will lend money all day, every day oh, to, pres- to everybody if yeah. they're allowed. You know, if there's no regulators. Uh there are regulators for a reason, but my concern is sometimes the regulators get a little bit exuberant. Sometimes they do something a bit early. Sometimes they they tap too hard. What's your opinion on this one? Did it need well, to happen? Has it been too hard? I'm not sure hard, that it did. No? I think that there was heat coming out of the market in any event mm-hmm. in terms of the, the growth. But what APRA said is, look, we're concerned that there's an increasing number of people in that high LVR loans you know, loans, if you like, more than six times earning, what happens if there's an interest rate is that these people are going to be put under pressure and there could be more defaults and that there's going to be an issue. But on the other hand, you got another regulator, the Reserve Bank, mm. has come out and told us they don't expect any interest rate, rate increases until 2024. Hang on, I've got a question. <laughs> Do these regulators not speak to each other? Do they not communicate about that? Wouldn't that they're, not be they're obvious? They're part of the Council of Financial Regulators, oh, the, 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 the secret the society, <laughs> along, along with the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. <laughs> no, nah, joking. But so they obviously talk to each other. Uh, so why, what would? Well, that's what I wonder. If the RBA, on one hand, saying interest rates are going to be static for at least three years, and the other guys are saying, well, if they go up, We're going to we be could be have a bit of trouble. And are they thinking three years out? And, and if they are, why? Because mm. what could happen in three years? Well, properties continue to go up, not at the rate we've had, but continue to. So the debt-to-value ratio is going to be dropping for two reasons. One's the value's going up, and the other thing is probably the debt's going down mm. because they are paying, paying it off for yeah. another three years, you know. Uh, one would expect there'll be some income growth, in the next three years, economy being as strong as it is. And so that debt to income will drop. Uh, this stuff should really happen organically. Yeah, I know you're not a fan too when they step in because it usually affects... Uh, I've been a, hurt by them stepping in a few oh, times, that's why. But like you and, you and I have often discussed that when we're out walking, you'll be talking... But remember we talked about that a while ago. When, they step, when, it, when it's modified externally mm. it usually has a fallout that that people don't necessarily expect which was what happened with the first home buyers you know when yeah. they jumped in there um mm. so what do you think could potentially be a fallout of this one well it means people are going to be able to borrow less money yeah but 
it's more likely to hurt the lower income people than the high income people. Did you, just in case you didn't see, I did a massive eye roll then. <laughs> well, high income people earn a lot more money. Often they've got more than one income stream, more than one wage, perhaps you know good investments with mm. an income stream or whatever. It's less likely to affect their serviceability. Go down to the bottom where people might be on, uh, family might be on one wage or, or two income earners, but they're not highly paid, mm. or first homeowners. Mm. This is going to affect the first homeowner market. They're going to, like, see, they're getting squeezed in two directions. Properties are going up. Now, first homeowners, as we know, tend to buy property on the lower part of the market because mm. they're starting out. They just buy what they can afford. And so we've seen the bottom of the market rise. So properties have gone up, which makes it harder. Property's gone up in value makes it harder for them to borrow, which mm. means they've got to borrow more because properties are going up. And now they can borrow less mm. because the buffer's gone up. So it's got properties going up here, their borrowing capacity going down there. And that's why we've seen the number of first homeowners uh, in the market dropping consistently mm. for several months now. I haven't listened to your market update actually this month, but I will listen to that today mm. to get a head around what's happened in the last four weeks. Yeah, and they continue to decline, As the number declining. of first homeowners. Okay. It's not drastically but those two things are obviously going to affect first homeowners mm. and low income earners they're the ones who get hit a bit uh, and the point is was it necessary but then like regulators are like they've been they, there's so many things they can play with if they want to regulate mm. and look i don't know if this is the end of it mm. this little tap on the brake be could, a test yeah i hope they wait long enough to see the effects my mind still goes back. I can't remember when it was. It could have been 2000. It could have been even a little bit before the GFC. can't remember. But, of course, the, R the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, their role is basically to con contain inflation within a certain bracket. And that's really their charter. That's their job. And traditionally, they've used interest rates as a stick to mm. do that. But, <laughs> as a stick. Well, they belt people with sticks. That's what they do. And... and for quite a while now, interest rates have been so low that, that, that they don't have a stick anymore. Mm. And what do they do with interest rates? They can't put them up. So they're looking for and a new they, they virtually can't put them down. They're <laughs> sort of stuck there, a, a stick that you can't use. And um, not that it necessarily needs using because interest rates don't need adjusting. Uh, the issue is back in the day when they could do that, they'd do it. And I can remember when interest rates were running at about 8%, the market was looking pretty warm and they like to take the heat out of the market a bit when they think it's going to run a bit because that can create inflation. Mm. You know, back in the day, you know, we haven't had a price, I say price increase, we haven't had a rate increase in 10 years. Interest rates haven't gone up since 2011. Wow. And that was a totally different market. Mm. We had inflation, we had a mining boom, we had a lot of wages growth because of the mining boom. And, and so that was sort of justified, mm. take the hit out of the market. That's the last time we had one, 10 years ago. There are, the Reserve Bank says we probably won't have one at least for another three years, so you're going to end up 13 years and no interest rate increases. Mm. So for a guy who did your second development project at 23% interest, that's pretty amazing <laughs> that I'm actually living through this. I never thought I'd ever see the day. Oh, I'm going to throw a curveball question in actually, Bob, and I know you love it when I do this. Mm, thanks. <laughs> <Here you> go. <laughs> so, Can't beat a good curveball. We bumped into somebody the other day who did your course, and we we just came in off the boat. Actually, we were fishing, and we came in, and he we comes. We meet people in our community in the weirdest of places, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, g'day, Bob." I'm there cleaning some 
flathead. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Scaling fish. And anyway, we, we ended up having a chat to him and I was like, oh, so what's next? On, what, what's next? He was just coming out of the end of a four pack. Hmm. And I said, what's next? On the, and, he, and he said, oh, I'm thinking I might just pay my house loan down. And he looked at me and he said, well, what would you recommend? And I just... I just do the whole, well, money's free, why would you do that? But that's just my opinion. What, you know, knowing that there's going to be an interest rate increase in three years, which is maybe, only, yeah, maybe. It potentially, and if it is, it's barely, it's not going to be huge, is it? No. So, I mean, would you advise, I mean, okay, no, we can't advise anything, but if, if your son rang you and said, hey, Dad, should I pay off my, pay down my, my you know, my, my loan to the bank, or should I do uh, something else with my money so it's making money? What would you advise? Do something else with your money yeah, to I make know, me money. Too. Like, what <laughs> what are you doing? Money is free anyway. Like two and a half, three percent interest rate is as close to free mm. for me, having you know paid over twenty in my life, over twenty percent. Um, and uh, like, what, what are you doing? You're saving three percent, two and a half percent interest by paying it off. Well, what, your alternative is what else can you do with your money? I mean, if if you if you don't know anything. And you got nothing else to do with your money. I suppose you could, but otherwise you'd do something. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, proactively, like like we do, we do property development. So I'd rather have my money doing that. Mm. I mean, the cash, the cash on cash return on doing just a basic property development is you know sixty to sixty to eighty percent on normal on normal loan to value ratio borrowings that we do in property development. Mm. We're talking about the equity we put in. The profit we come out, if you compare them and you're looking at it like trying to compare it to an interest rate, it's it's 60, 70, maybe up to 80% return. It's the equivalent of getting 60 to 80% return on interest in the bank. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'd rather do that. Save. Than save. <laughs> and save and pay off. Two or house. 3% by, by paying a home loan off. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's, yeah. That, that was just a, a, that's an my interesting, opinion on it. yeah. So I'm going to ask the other sort of question now for for and the lower income earners and potentially uh, younger people sometimes, or just people on a lower income. How do like say they wanted to get into? Let's go just uh, should we go property development or property? Mm, no. You know, with just less money, what can they do? Should we go property development or property? If they well, let's go property development. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. That's our space. What we do. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do if you can't? If you don't qualify to... Well, remember that what we've been talking about today is retail finance. Yes. We haven't talked about development finance, yep. which is a totally different world. However, when we when we buy a property to develop a small project, it starts off as just a normal retail loan. If we, Let's say, let's keep it simple. Uh, and, and we've got a number of students doing this. We're buying an older house in a good suburb. We're going to get an approval for a nice duplex, perhaps an upmarket duplex or whatever. Uh, or perhaps we're going to, you know, cut it into two lots and build two nice new houses, whatever we're going to do. When we start off, when we buy that property in the first place, it's just a normal residential purchase. It's it, We're buying an investment property as far as the banks are concerned. So that is a retail loan. And we are affected by the standard, yes, you have to have a deposit. And yes, you have to prove serviceability that you can pay the interest. And yes, this recent increase in the buffer is going to affect the amount of money you can borrow. Now you can borrow less unless you can increase your income and offset it. So, yeah, it does have that effect. Mm. And so that affects property development in terms of the purchase of the site. It doesn't affect us 
at the next stage necessarily when we're, when we're going to uh, borrow some more money to do the construction part. Mm. Because normally, if we keep it simple with property development, your finance is in two parts. The first part's to buy the deal, buy the site. Second part's when we need more money to do the construction. Uh, you know, and something like when we're building a building, you know, townhouse, duplex, whatever. And so, yeah, there is an effect there. There's also an effect on the other end, I guess you could say, because if we're selling our duplexes or our townhouses, mm. people are buying them. Well, they're buying them with a retail loan. Yeah. And so... There's less buyers. Less people can afford uh, that. And, and technically, theoretically, at least, there's less buyers in the market. But, you know, if we're building upmarket duplexes, we're probably selling to wealthier people, not mm. first homeowners, uh, not people in the low economic uh, income bracket. And so, really, that buffer hasn't had much of an effect up in that area. So, I don't think it'll have much effect, uh, you know, if our sales, if we're selling into that bracket. But, like, back to the start, like, mm. I, the, those, we've gone on to the sales side. Yeah. And I want to go down that road as well. But going back to how does, like, somebody who doesn't have enough money to even buy the initial site, what can they do? Well, they're going to have to use someone else's money as well. Right. The good old... Joint venture. The good old... OP, you're talking about acronyms. Yeah. What uh, about some OP, good old OPM? <laughs> Other people's money. You can you can look at a, at an investor. You could look at help. Well, you I mean you start close to home, mm. relatives. You know, can you can you borrow a bit of? You see, we shouldn't say this. We've got too many children between us. Have we? Yeah, <laughs> we have. They start listening. Uh, so there's two things there. When you're borrowing on a normal retail loan, remember we got the deposit and we got the serviceability. The higher the deposit you have, the less you have to borrow. So. If you want to even the, the equation up, let's just say, okay, this buffer's come in, that means we can borrow less money. How would you overcome that? There's two ways. If you earn a bit more money, then that would overcome that serviceability that you've just lost. Or alternatively, if you could put in a bigger deposit, you wouldn't have to borrow as much, and that could overcome it. So in terms of solving the problem, can you earn more money? And will the bank consider that extra money? Like, Stacking shelves at Woolies and earning extra money isn't necessarily considered part of your full-time wage, and might not might not be taken. Unless, into of course, account. you are a shelf stacker at Woolies. <laughs> well, that you could be a full-time shelf stacker at Woolies, in which case it does count. But, but the other way is, I mean, can you get a bit of extra equity? Can a family member lend you some money mm. for a period of time, for eighteen months or whatever, two years, while you do a project? Actually, I know somebody in our community who's gone to family members, and he's doing really well. Actually, I just saw him post mm. again the other day. Bought just kicked off another site down in South Australia, so yeah, he's doing pretty yeah. well. And he started with family the whole time. Mm. He, all, mm. I think mm. all of his money partners and joint venture partners have been family. Yeah. And some people go that way and some people, totally different subject, I know, we're on finance today, <laughs> uh, but some people prefer not to do uh, something with family mm. members. Uh, and their, their fear is, what if something goes wrong uh, and, and you've got to live with your family? Mm. Uh, and so they take the attitude, I don't do with things with my family. Other, other people do things with the family and think, well, this could be great for my family. Mm. It's an opportunity for... Somebody, Everyone a member of the family who's getting like 0.3 of a percent at the bank to get a you know, substantially higher interest rate by lending money to their relative in a project or mm. perhaps to even uh, come in as a joint venture and share the profit. Mm. Some people see that as a, as a way of, if, you, if I'm going to help somebody else make money as an investor, it should be a friend or a relative I help make money first. Mm. Different attitudes. Mm. 
So that's how they can get in if they if they you know if they're affected by the buffer. And then you went to uh, the selling bob mm. um, and and the how that will affect people purchasing the end product. Yeah. And that'll depend on the product. I mean, yep. if you were developing products specifically targeted for first homeowners, mm. that lower valued product, uh, then if there's less first homeowners, you might say, well, my market's diminishing. Mm. But at the same time, the number of investors coming into the market has yeah. been increasing. I was just going to bring up investors because, yeah. yeah. That, so that-, that could easily offset it. And, and some investors will want to buy the lower-priced properties mm. and some middle and some higher, you know, different, different attitudes of investors in terms of the sort of product that they want to buy. And some investors might want to buy inexpensive suburbs because traditionally that's had the higher growth, mm. well, assuming they can afford it, they'll buy more expensive products. Mm. And if I'm creating some upmarket duplexes, they're the sort of people who would buy it. It could be a downsizer who can well afford it. They're not in, you know, they're it's not. It's called right sizing, Bob. Get with right sizing. <laughs> they're called right sizes, uh, not downsizers. I'll really. continue calling them that. <laughs> I'm a traditionalist. Uh, so those sorts of people or investors who want to buy in those better areas, mm-hmm. they can afford it, and the buffer probably hasn't worried them much at all. So, just with the investing market, um, you know, now buying product, what happened in the last month? With with the versus homeowners um, like yeah. um, investors versus homeowners. Well, what, we, were, the, we what did, were the figures? We did see investors pushed out of the market a lot. Once again, back to talking about regulators. If you cast your mind back to well, I don't know, I'm guessing about 2015, mm. when there was a very strong lobby of investors. They they half the loans written roughly, you know, could have been a bit over half or a bit less than half, were written to investors. They were a big part of the market. And the regulators got a little bit ner- nervous about yeah. the fact that the market was getting driven. And we saw a lot of growth in the Sydney and Melbourne market, particularly, mm. you know, in that period from probably, I don't know, two eleven up to two seventeen, something like five or six years. Consistently strong growth. And they wanted to take a bit of heat in out of it. In the investment market. Yeah, and yeah. look, and a lot of that was driven by a couple of things. Initially, there was a lot of overseas purchasers mm. who didn't really care so much what they paid for a property. They just wanted to own a piece of Australia. And so certain things were put into play to dampen that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by in some cases tripling stamp duty or not enabling them to... Um, Can they do that just because you're not an that's Australian? A state, that's a state thing, that okay. regulation. But, but they, they would... Like, if you want to limit the amount of uh, overseas, overseas yeah. people investing, how do you do that? Uh, often they weren't borrowing, they're just using cash from offshore. So some of that, like, for instance, some of those buyers from China, uh, the Chinese government limited the amount of foreign investment they could do, so they automatically put the brakes on, on that. That's just like one country, admittedly, but it was a, a country that was, you know, residents were buying a lot of property. Uh, then the states... Increased things like stamp duty that mm-hmm. made it a bit more expensive, but I don't think that really they really cared too much. Right. Uh, and and also uh, some foreign purchasers were just having their properties vacant, but then they said, "Well, you can only have them vacant for a certain amount of time." And there, there was other things that came into play as well that to try and dampen that. And it was dampened for for a number of reasons, uh, but but also uh, at that time, you know, there was that, all that price growth was going on, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was driven by investors. And 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 uh, APRA got. And the Reserve Bank, to a degree, got a bit uh, nervous about that. At the time, you know, the Reserve Bank was was 
indicating that they, they, they were quite strong that interest rates were going to go up. They never did in the end. They sort of got it wrong. Uh, the market took care of it in the end. Uh, but, but because of the RBA saying we think you know, we're going to have to put up interest rates and APRA thinking, well, we need, to drive, we need to drive the heat out of the market a bit, they started doing all sorts of things. Mm. They actually increased the buffer then. Since then it's come down it's gone up a little bit. They limited the amount of loans that, that banks could write for investors. They increased the interest rate uh, for investors. They have to you know, pay a, a higher interest rate than owner occupies. So they're trying to get that balance back out. Get uh, It's quite a strategy, isn't it? Like seriously, oh, yeah. and so much got goes a, on. They've got a lot of sticks that they can use. Yeah. And sometimes they use more than one stick at a time. And, and we saw that. And that took a lot of the heat out of the market. And, uh, and around that time you had the, you know, the – the inquiring into the banking industry, mm. and uh, and that made the banks a bit nervous. We had the we had uh, a little bit after that because we had the election, the last federal election where uh, Labor's platform was, you know, a little bit uh, anti-property investment. You might say, you know, wanting isn't to, it always <laughs> wanting to wanting to drop, uh, you know, the capital gains. So we get the fifty percent capital gains tax relief and a few other things. And I've uh, heard them talking about that now. The, 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 this sort of ancient history now. No, um, coming up like to the Bill, next election. Bit like Bill Shorten. <laughs> yeah. He's probably so close to becoming the Prime Minister and, and, and just those few anti-property things on their platform that uh, that they didn't get rid of. And, and a lot of staunch Labor supporters were saying, look, this could ruin our chances of winning this election. Mm. You need to drop it. And then, you know, anyway, they didn't. Uh, and now everybody says, well, who in the hell's Bill Shorten? Yet he was probably so close to, to being the Prime Minister. Other, other than that, and that's that's how people love their property. Don't matter what party they're in, they, they mm. don't want their property investments to get affected. Property anyway, and finance, yeah. No, a, we, we, so we, all these all these things on. were working at the time, and then things started to loosen up after the election. If you mm. remember, whenever that was, a couple of years ago now in May, and so things had sort of been loosening up. Uh, but then we had the the good old it's history now, but the good old virus in between, and anyway, lots of things have happened. So back. Back onto current situations are that uh, investors are moving back into the market off off a low. I mean, the investment, the amount of investment loans written in terms of percentage of loans was down around 23%. It's back up close to around 30 now, but it was like almost 50 during its heyday. Mm. And uh, so that 23 to 30%, how 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 long was that shift? Oh, that shifts probably since the end, oh, probably eight, nine, ten months. Okay. Uh, so, as, yes, we have seen first homeowners sort of diminishing, but we've seen investors coming in, mm. uh, picking up the properties that they don't, that they can't buy, if you like. And so, f- from, a, from a developer's point of view, like if you're developing, and I don't do it, cheaper sorts of properties, I think investors are going to pick that up where the first homeowners have dropped out. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the market is still a seller's market. It's a strong market for sales. When do you see that changing? Sorry to keep Not jumping no around. To see it this is just we, a really good conversation. Well, it's, 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 I know so I keep moving off tar- yeah. a little bit off subject about the finance, but it's all related. Mm. Um, look, there's still basically an undersupply. As much as you can generalise and call a thing in the Australian property market, there's still that undersupply and, there's, and, and, and it's still, you know... Where we live, there's a massive undersupply. There's people posting on Facebook and community mm. groups can't find anywhere to live. Oh, rental markets. The rental market. 60 people, like, wanting to get into a house. That's crazy. 
Yeah, but that, I've got great references. I've rented around here for yeah, seven years. That yeah. there's been an increase of price. Not myself. This is what I've, yeah. I read on uh, on a community Facebook the other day. Yeah, but I've yeah. seen it more. I've probably seen that three times in the last yeah. month or so. Well, we're, we're the you know, just locally where we live, I suppose, we're the benefit of a few things. We're in Queensland. Yes. And we haven't had those terribly unfortunate lockdowns that mm. our southern friends have had, you know, Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, so it's considered to be safe place, you know, compared. Uh, we just haven't had the lockdowns. Then we've got the climate, which is always an attraction. Mm. And then we've got this sort oh, that's of why I'm here. rush to lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. This rough, rush to lifestyle of the, of the, the, the sea. Yeah. I mean, we're like... 100 metres from the Pacific Ocean, mm. where we are at the moment, where we're recording this. And so all those things, I suppose, have added up to make that you know, particular area mm. uh, pretty pretty high demand. But, mm. but, yeah, there's plenty of high demand areas around Australia at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting old times. Uh, but but finance-wise, look, hopefully we don't see them tapping the brake too much. I don't really think the brake needed to be tapped. Mm. I hope they don't start bringing other things back in. They've got more, waving more sticks? Oh, like reducing the amount of interest-only loans. I think that's well below, you know, they, they did limit it to 30%, even currently it's way below that, so I don't think there's any point in that. I hope they don't affect other things regarding serviceability. Hopefully not. Mm. Um, I, think the, I think the market's finding its own level yeah. again. So as far as developing goes, Bob, and let's bring this back to finance. Yeah. So let's go. Uh, let's let's start winding this one up, Bob. Okay. We don't want to bore people. I think. We'll, <laughs> although I've found it very interesting. I do. What would because you know what I find interesting? It's never static. It's no. never still, and it's never boring. Mm. It's fluid. Property's fluid. Yeah. And finance is fluid because finance drives property. I've heard it said that property is almost an accidental thing. You make your money through finance because we can gear. The bank can give us four, five, six times as much money as we put into to an investment through gearing, mm. and, and that really we make our money through that and the tax effectiveness. Property just happens to be an asset that we can use, mm. but the money's made by tax effectiveness and manipulating finance. Mm. Anyway. So as far as property development, Bob, is it a good time right now to be um, getting into property development? Yeah. It is because, Mark, look, even if markets are flat in terms of growth, and they, and they do, and I've developed through plenty of flat markets, we create property at raw cost. We don't create it at retail price. We don't create it at wholesale price. We create it at absolute raw cost. And people buy property at retail price. We make a profit. Mm. Obviously, you have to do it properly and mm. do it well. Uh, but and have a good education. But we create <laughs> we create one of the necessities of life, mm. shelter, mm. food and shelter, and we create shelter. And there's a never increasing demand for shelter, and there's an undersupply of shelter, mm. and that's what we create. And we create it at cost, and we sell it at retail. I think that I've heard you say, and I kind of like this, but I've even probably heard other people say it to me. What's that one regret people have when it comes to property? I reckon if you had. Do a you know, ask a thousand people that are you know, more than twenty years old mm. what their biggest regret is in property, and I reckon it would be I wish I got into it earlier, because we hear that all the time. Yes, when people discover property development, 
Oh, my God, I wish I'd discovered that earlier. So just on a note here, if uh, my daughter's listening because they're looking at buying another property, hurry up. Get on with it. <laughs> I've Stop been talking you. about Stop it. Stop mucking around. <laughs> Apparently she's waiting on tax stuff, but I've been hearing that for too long. Far too long. Far too long. Yep. All right, the biggest well, regret. Yeah. Wish I'd done it earlier. Yep. And we don't like regrets because one of my mo- mottos is... No regrets. No regrets. So if you're interested in learning more about property development, we actually have a three-day workshop coming up November 12, 13, 14. 11, 12, 13. 12, 13, 14. I should know this off by heart. The Friday, the Saturday, <laughs> the Friday, the Sunday. The Sunday. Uh, potentially getting to Victoria the weekend before that, but I'm not sure. Wait, I'll, I've got to give Daniel Andrews a call later. He, he wants to talk to me about uh, investing some money in one of my projects. Joking. <laughs> I wouldn't even I'll say his name. A lot of people don't like Daniel Andrews. <laughs> he's looking for an alternative income stream in case he doesn't keep in politics. Yeah. I think he be. wants to do the online course. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're interested in, in attending our three-day uh, online workshop, uh, it will be much similar to the masterclass, which we just held on the weekend. For those who did attend, well done. For those who've... Um, it's that on steroids. It, that, it is that on steroids. Bob's an excellent teacher. And again, if you'd like to win a copy of this book... Property Millionaires Exposed. Oh, goes blurry, comes back. Property Millionaires Exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, the Secrets of Property Good Millionaires Exposed. It's a great read. Yeah, and it's not an too easy heavy, read. like reading, you can kind educational. Of read bits. You can read that bit hmm. and that bit. Um, and yeah, Bob's got his. Yeah, I'm in there. A couple of my mates are in there. Well, if you're interested in uh, in receiving one of those, feel free to email me a question that you might like us to answer on the podcast or give us a favourable comment on YouTube or uh, Apple. Like and share, Spotify, Apple, and uh, all of those things. I think that that's a wrap. Sounds like it. That's episode 21. Congratulations. Thanks, Bob. You're Thank flying, you. girl. So are you. All right, everyone. Catch you soon. Bye. Bye.